Help us to understand what we read. Help us to be more aware of your presence and your involvement in our life. Help us to follow you closely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so we started last Sunday talking about God, my shepherd. And the title that I'm just giving for this is, When the Lord is my shepherd, I know rest. You see that on the screen there? When the Lord is my shepherd, I know rest. So I'm going to have it on the screen for you. Uh, I'll do it in the King James first, which I don't normally do, but since this is a passage of Scripture you may have memorized, let's roll like that. He lets me... uh, Whoa. Oh, that's... Sorry. We're going to focus on verse 2. That's from the New Living. That's the next slide. My apologies. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. That's our focus tonight. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mentioned last week that David, who writes this song, had been a shepherd. But actually, at this point that he writes this song, he is for the second time in his life on the run because somebody is trying to kill him. He is older, he was established, he was the king, he was a good king, he, he, he served the people for their benefit, and yet one of his sons has decided that he would be a better king. And so he's been kicked out of his own kingdom and forced to run. And, 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 and I know that some people in this church do know what it's like to run because somebody's trying to kill you, and that is not a joke. I, I myself have had a, a death threat, but I've never had to run. You know, that, that, that was the place from which David writes this song. In the face of contradiction, in the face of life being not good. Anyone ever had life be not good? David is writing the best song of the satisfied customer. The best song of the believer who is happy, who is thrilled, who is at peace. Even in the face of having to hide out because somebody is trying to kill him. Worse yet, not only that somebody is trying to kill him, but his own son has betrayed him in the face of being stabbed in the back, in the face of being turned on. David, out of seemingly insanity, contradiction, writes about what his relationship with God is really like. This song of the satisfied customer, this song of I am at peace because God works hard for me. And I have the picture of the shepherd up there because I'm starting to tell you a little piece by piece how much hard work is essential for a shepherd. The fact of the matter is, and there's a great book out there by Keller who had been a shepherd of, in Africa 
uh, long before he was ever a pastor. And he writes this book called A Shepherd Takes a Look at Psalm 23, a small book. I recommend that you read it. But he talks about how there, there is crossover. There are principles from taking care of sheep that nobody in this room's ever taken care of sheep before that would help us understand what the song is talking about. Make sense? That sound good? So there is something to this. The Lord is my shepherd. We talked about the first verse last week. I want to, let's look at it again, but this time from the New Living. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever." I want to focus on verse 2, that you may have memorized as a kid. So, I know that for some of us in this room, we're experiencing one of the high points of our life. Things are really good. And I know for others of us in this room, we're experiencing a low point. We're experiencing some of the most difficult. In fact, a few that aren't here tonight are not here because there are some of us in our families that are experiencing some of the most difficult and trying times of our lives. And it's interesting how sometimes the stuff you memorize or sang as a child will come back to you in difficult times. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I myself have prayed that, have said that even through gritted teeth and tears when I was feeling the opposite. Because A faith statement is when I say something that is true. There is power in that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And did you ever think when you were a kid that it sounded a little bit weird? He makes me lie down? That's weird, right? That doesn't sound nice. He makes, but it's actually a really important phrase and it's relevant for a shepherd. And I I just want to explain that real quick. The truth of the matter is that sheep, not very smart animals, and that sheep actually require the most work of any livestock animal. They got issues. They got problems. They get bug. They get, they have a lot of issues. And the fact of the matter is that a sheep will not lay down unless it is free of four things. True story. Shepherds say that a sheep will not lay down unless it's free from four things. One, it has to be free of fear. Now, sheep might not be all that smart, but the fact of the matter is they don't have much self-defense. Their kung fu is not so good. They don't have much self-defense. All they can do is run. And what they do is run in a group and hope that somebody else is slower than them. (laughs) You never told that joke when you were a kid? All right, so they got to run so they can be quick. Like There's stories about a herd of sheep where uh, somebody comes up with a little chihuahua. Chihuahua jumps out of the car down in the pasture by the sheep. And the sheep, whoo, they're gone. Right? 
All the sheep can do is run. So if a sheep is going to lay down, it's got to be free of fear. Now, I want to tell you something. The God who created you wants you to be free of fear. Paul wrote to Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Now, you can have have a moment of fear. Like the first time a dad looks at a baby, there could be a moment of fear. What do I do with this? The first time a dad looks at a diaper, what do I do? You can have a moment of fear, but that's different than fear that is controlling. You hear what I'm saying? So when Paul says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, what he means is that God does not give you the kind of fear that doesn't go away, the kind of fear that inhibits you, limits you, controls your behavior. If you are experiencing fear like that, it did not come from God. True story. The God who created this world loves you and wants you to be free of fear. How many of you know that sometimes when we are full of fear, it is because we are trying to make it on our own? Yeah. What do you think a sheep feels when it looks up and it can't see the shepherd? It's only the shepherd's got the big stick. And the sheep looks up and it's alone. That slower guy's not there anymore. That's fear. So when when David writes in the song, he makes me lie down. He lets me rest. What he means is that God has done the work that needed to be done so that I don't have to be afraid. He's running for his life. But he is not afraid. Now, when I received a death threat, it was when I was doing gang outreach. Okay? Now, when I was doing gang stuff, there's a way to be smart and compassionate. Right? You can step between, and y'all looking at me like I'm like cow looking at a new gate. Yes, I look like this, and yes, I have done this. Okay? You can step between people where it's about to go down and still be smart. Or you can put yourself in a situation that is not smart, where you are putting yourself in harm's way. Right? You know what I'm saying? If I want to be free from fear, I need to know who is my shepherd and where is he? David is saying, I'm running for my life right now, but I am not afraid that I will be killed because I know who my shepherd is. I know who my protector is. I've been on this road before. David had been chased by the previous king, Saul, who had been trying to kill him. David's saying, I've been on this road before, and I know that God is my protector. So you can be... In a situation where logic would say you should be afraid and yet not be controlled by a spirit of fear. When God is your shepherd. Are you with me? 
Now, the second one is sheep will not lay down when there's tension. Now, what sheep, kind of like the fish in our aquarium in our house, do is they establish a pecking order. And it's actually primarily between the females. And I'm not going to talk about, and don't worry, I'm not stupid. But between female sheep, normally what there is is an older, larger, dominant one that will smash the younger ones with her head. And then sometimes what she will do is strut and stick her head up and move just with nonverbal communication. Y'all know nonverbal communication, right? You better not mess with me. She will move the other sheep away. If a shepherd is not moving between the sheep and keeping them from fighting with each other, then that friction, they won't lay down. And why is this important? Well, sheep need to lay down to be healthy, to digest their food, to grow their furry wool, and, and, and produce carpet. Y'all ever seen wool carpet lasts forever? Um, and, and milk, they produce milk. And they're two different things that the, the shepherds uh, make money from sheep from, right? They've got to be able to rest in order to produce uh, to have babies, to produce wool, and to produce milk. But if there's infighting, if there's friction between them, they won't lay down. And that's one reason there are two things in this church that we pray about, talk about, and work out all the time. And one is secret sin, and the other, don't worry, there's not a questionnaire at the end of this sermon. And, and the other is when we don't resolve our conflicts with each other. Jesus gave us really specific instruction in how to do that in Matthew 18. And I've, I'm going to tell you something. I've served churches across the United States. I've been in around 400 churches for at least a week at a time. And the churches that I was in that were growing had, were in an environment where there was confessed sin and people knew how to work out their differences without gossip. You want to grow a church? That's how you do it right there. That's it. Because what happens is anything that can distract from Jesus gets pushed away. Does does that make sense? And that's what we want, right? We're not here to look good, right? Because showing up here doesn't make you a better person, right? We're here to meet with God. We're here because he's real. We're here because it matters, right? So if we will love each other the way that he wants us to, we can be free from tension. Now, I'm pointing this out because this involves a decision on your part. God comes and he helps us work out our tension. But he will not violate the free will he gave us to choose if we will work out our tension. Right? We've got to choose to be honest, to communicate in a healthy way, and to forgive. So God the shepherd, David writes, he makes me lie down. He, this is a part of the picture. That means that as a group, as we come together, and this is again in the face of all the betrayal that David has just faced, he's saying that God has helped me live a life free from tension. That's a part of what this song is saying. Now the third thing that sheep, sheep will not lay down if there are aggravations, pests, bugs, ticks, flies, parasites, 
viruses. And we talked about it already. We prayed for it. God is your healer. The very, every, in every book of the Bible, what we see is God making the wrongs right. God wants to come and set things right in your life and in your body and help you be free from aggravations. If I want to know peace, if I, if I want to have a life where I'm not stressed, I'm not full of anxiety, I'm not frustrated, I'm going to have to follow God close enough to allow Him to heal and work out and remove my aggravations. Are you with me? He's so faithful to do it. The fourth thing that sheep will not lie down unless they are free from is hunger. And I want you to consider something. In most of the world, most sheep are raised in arid or dry, rough climates. Sandy, rocky, craggy, not the beautiful green pastures of Ireland or Oregon. Not like that. Most sheep are raised where grass is rare. And yet, David is saying, God is my shepherd. And because God is my shepherd, he takes care of me. He feeds me. Now, I want to remind you the story of Jesus talking with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And he asks her for a drink, right? She's at the well, she's got the thing, pull up the water, and he asks her for a drink. And he's a Jew, and she's not. She's a Samaritan, which were a mixed race group of people that were hated, and they hated the Jews. There was, there was a racial tension in just the eyeball to eyeball, let alone the male chauvinistic misogynistic culture of men and women not talking to each other either. And Jesus asks her for a drink, right? She asks him a question. And, you know, what is, the, what is the thing that Jesus says to her? If you only knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for living water. I would give you water that you would thirst no more. St. Augustine of Africa wrote about the fact that we are all created with hunger and cravings. And we are not ever satisfied until the only thing we drink from is God. He's the only one. See, only Jesus is the author of life. Only Jesus can give the blind man sight. Only Jesus is the cup that won't run dry. There's nothing else in this life, not even the good stuff, not steak, not your marriage, nothing will satisfy you like God. Only He can satisfy your spiritual hunger. He's the only one. 
And yet, we, all we like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. Every one of us has tried to meet our cravings in another way. All of us. But God is the only one. And one thing that's really important for you to consider what David is writing about. David is writing about God as a shepherd who does the hard work so that there could be grass to eat. That they can eat and be full. You know, the truth of the matter is that uh, as we think about the second part of the verse in being beside still waters, that sheep actually can go several months without drinking water. The truth is that if they're near a grassy area or with plants, the dew that gathers... You know, I'm not talking about mountain dew. You know, dew, you know what dew is? In the morning, I mean, some of us work different hours, so I don't know if you ever get up early enough, but if you get up about sunrise, what you will find is that there's water on the ground. There's a whole scientific process how it gets there, right? Sheep will get wake up before, before the sun comes up. Sheep will wake up before the sun comes up and they will start eating when there's dew on the grass. And there's enough dew on the grass that they quench their thirst. They don't need to go to a watering hole. They don't need to go to a stream for months. For months. Just with what they get in the early hours of the morning. I have found that when we are dissatisfied with God, it is often when we do not have a daily discipline to seek Him in the quiet time when nothing else gets in the way. Are you catching what I'm saying? See, God is there. God can satisfy us. But the variable is if we will come to Him. Are you with me? Are, are we going to come to Him? Are we going to seek Him? Are we going to draw from Him? And that doesn't happen on accident. It certainly doesn't happen with us ignoring God. It only happens with us setting aside time that is not interrupted, that is not rushed, where you're having to look at your watch. I mean, try me. Try it. Make real changes to your life so that you can start to spend time with God in a way where you don't need to look at your watch. And then turn off everything with a screen and shut out everyone but Him. And try. Try it. Six weeks. I dare you. You will be changed. You will be changed. Because God is the same God he was then. God satisfies. He is the only one who truly satisfies. And he's faithful. He's pure. He's not out to use you. He created the world. There's nothing you could do. He can't do better. We need to get this in our system. It's freeing. He's not trying to manipulate you. He doesn't need you. He created you because He loves you. He sent His Son Jesus to die for you because He loves you. There's nothing you can do to earn more of His love. There's nothing you can do to 
prove who you are, earn his favor, get more stripes, a title. Come on. He wants you to receive his love, to drink deeply. We come to God with those paper cups. Come on, pour it out. Give God a chance to fill you up. I dare you. Give him a chance. I'm not talking about checking your brain at the door. Read, study, learn, pray, talk to him, listen to him. Uh, Myself, many of us here can help with that. There's many things that you can do. But seek Him. He's the only one who can satisfy. I find that for most humans, the reason why we can't rest is because life is all out of balance. And we've got to learn to make some value-based decisions based on the ancient way of living that God created us to live. And that is with a very clear balance between work Worship, rest, and play. Now, trust me, I know what it's like to be so tired. You just like vacation? Yeah, check me into the hospital, pick me up seven days later. Right? I know what that feels like. All you want to do is sleep. Some of you are taking advantage of that right now. Right? You know, so I know what that's like to feel tired like that. But we got to start to change our life. And I know what it is to feel trapped. But trust me, I have never had somebody come to me and open up their daytimer, their whatever you call that, your schedule, and their checkbook, and their job, and their whole 24-7, seven-day-a-week. I've never had anybody come to me and lay it all out and be willing to actually talk about it logically and not been able to find ways to make changes where they could rest more. So try me. Come on. You can rest more. God, God, his energy never runs out. And he rested. He worked six days and then he took a day off. To rest. The Sabbath principle in scripture is important. Worship and rest is important. When we don't have that in rhythm, life starts to get broken. And the fact of the matter is that when we don't have the whole work, worship, rest thing going, we are incapable of healthy play. Last year, let me be honest with you, last year when we went on vacation, I was not ready to play with my kids. And when I realized it a few days into vacation, I was heartbroken because I want to play with my kids, but my whole work rest thing was out of order and and, and I could, they were, Hey daddy, let's get in the pool. Let's play. I was in the pool, but I was not playing. You you know what I'm talking about? Hey, daddy's a drag. (laughs) That's not the kind of life that God wants for us. Jesus said, John 10, 10, I came to give you life and that to the full. God created us with an ability to laugh. Now, it doesn't matter what you see on YouTube. Goats can't laugh. 
God created us with an ability to laugh. He wants you to be able to play. Now, this is one reason why we have church once a week, and we do small groups, and not much else. Because we want you to have a life, and to enjoy your life. I have many times over in churches been the person who canceled stuff and told people, y'all are in church too much. we got to get this, I can't hear the voice of God when my rhythm is all out of whack. Does that make sense? And I know bills, budget, income, trust me, with our money and with our time, we've got to start to live within our means. You can't spend more than you take in. Well, you can in our country, but it will catch up with you. And it's the same thing with our time. If we are spending, if we are putting out more, if we're out of balance, it doesn't work. And that can be one of the biggest hindrances to us not being able to say with any peace, God is my shepherd. I shall not want. He lets me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now listen, I want to kind of close, come down with this last phrase about uh, being able to come by the still waters. In the hottest times of the year are when the shepherds take the sheep to water. And what actually happens in, in flocks of sheep is that some of them will stop by the dirty puddles instead of following the shepherd to the pure water. And they'll get diseases by drinking from the dirty water. And there's a lesson there. So when you're exhausted, when you're tapped out, when, you, when you're in the heat of the summer of your life, the Lord wants to lead you to pure water, to drink from the right source, and still water. Some of us are intimidated by God and the things of God and all this. And, it's, and we, we look at it like we think it's like this really fast-moving river. And if I try to put my toe in that, I'm going to get wiped out. But that's not how the Holy Spirit works. God, the Holy Spirit, leads us to still waters where we are safe, where we can easily drink. The fact of the matter is, there's nobody in this room that knows you like God knows you. That was really good. Let me say that again. There's nobody in this room who knows you like God knows you. If you will trust Him, He will lead you to still waters where you can drink, where you will thirst no more. Thirst no more. Can, can you... I want to... Let's just pause. I want you to try to imagine what would your life be like if you didn't thirst anymore? If you were completely satisfied if you were completely at peace, 
The Lord is my shepherd. When, when the Lord is my shepherd, I know rest. Real peace, real peace is possible. Real peace is possible. That's what this song is about. This song is written by a human, a lot like you. He had problems. But he also found that when he followed God closely, there was rest. This song is not a fairy tale. Some made-up thing in some old book that's just crafted and designed to be something that's pretend land. Oh, God's not cruel. This is not some fantasy. This is possible, people. This is possible. Now, I can tell you myself that I have had many a day with anxiety, frustration, stress, when I wanted to quit. Did you know that there's an honor in wanting to quit? There's some people that don't have anything to quit. If you want to quit, that means you've got something to quit. There's an honor in that. God doesn't want you to quit. It's possible in the face of contradiction, in the face of betrayal, in the face of pain, in the face of disease, in the face of suffering, in the face of challenges, in the face of real life. It's possible to have peace. Because it doesn't come from you. And it doesn't come from the world around you. And it doesn't come from another human. It comes from the God who created the world. Who said, let there be light. And there was light. The God who designed the sheep with purpose. The God who designed you with purpose and with love. That's the God who is the good shepherd. He's the only one who satisfies. That's the one I can come to and say, yeah, you've never failed me. You've never given up on me. You've never betrayed me. You're my provider. You're my good shepherd. You're my peace. If we'll follow Him, we can know rest. This past week, with all the change in the venue and everything else, I've been thinking a lot about what it has been like. In August, it will have been five years since we moved here from Portland, Oregon, left our family and friends to move here to start a church from scratch. So I've been thinking a lot about the journey. And I was reminded of something, and we were talking about this verse And that's in Psalm 107. Psalm 107 was one of the 
verses that God used to tell us to move to Baltimore. And in Psalm 107, the song is about God leading his people to the promised land where they could rest, where they could no longer be harassed by warring nations against them, raiding them, stealing their stuff. God is using this illustration of bringing them to a geographic land of rest to talk about salvation and to talk about how when we are in right relationship with God, there is real rest. And in that song, it talks about how God was leading them to safety to a city where they could settle. And those words jumped off the page at me. And God was saying, I'm sending you to Baltimore. To a city where you can settle. And later in that song, it talks about God was leading them into a safe harbor. And Baltimore is here because it is a safe harbor. And I bring it up because the fact of the matter is that this building was built before people had cars. This building was built before electricity was common, before running water was in any of these houses. This building was built for people that were leaving the failing farms in Pennsylvania to work in the mills that put flour on the ships from here. They were coming to work in houses that the mill owners built to work six days a week, ten-hour days. This church was built for people in that situation. It was built to be a safe place. It's, you know why there's no parking lot? Because they didn't have cars. This church was built by people that were coming here to find in Baltimore a place of safety. Did you know that Maryland was the first of the states that was not established as a Catholic colony or this religion. It was established as both at the same time, Methodist and Catholic, not just one church. Maryland was the first colony in the United States where the main principle was freedom, even in having freedom to worship. And that's why we can be in this building today. Because people who believed in freedom to worship Jesus. People who believed that here in this building, in this city, with Jesus, they could find rest. That rest that God spoke to Rebecca and I about through Psalm 107 when he told us to move to Baltimore more than five years ago. It's the reason we exist. And if we don't help you find salvation in Jesus and rest in God, then I am a failure and I'm done. Rest is possible in Jesus. Peace in your life. It is possible. Do you believe it? Let's stand and we'll close in prayer. Christian, come and play. Before I pray, I just want to read something to you to help. Rest is more than a good night's sleep. 
more than mere physical recuperation. It's a time when we forget our problems and life's pressing demands long enough to remember who we are and who God is. It's a few minutes of solitude in the midst of a hectic day, a time when we pause in the mad busyness of living and remember a special moment from the past. This kind of rest, taken daily or at least regularly, restores our physical being and renews our emotional and spiritual energies. Rest is possible because of Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that forgiveness of sin is possible in you. That all the fighting, all the striving, all the labor we go through to try to deal with guilt from our sins, to, 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 to try to find a way to feel right even though we're wrong. Lord, that, that rest is possible when we will repent and let go of our sins and find salvation and love in you. God, I thank you that it's possible, that in you there is peace, in you there is rest, in you we can be free from fear, from aggravations, from tension, from hunger, in you we can be satisfied, in you we can be brought to real peace and rest. I thank you for it, God. Help us to follow you closely. Help us to follow you closely this week. I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being here. Grace and peace to you tonight. If you'd like to receive prayer, feel free to step out. Be happy to pray for you. There are some refreshments here. Um, Saturday's worship workshop, Sunday water baptism, 1 o'clock. We will be right back here for church, 5 p.m. God bless you. Have a great week.